All of us are on a journey of becoming, a never-ending journey in pursuit of truth and deeper union with the divine. As you know, faith is a complicated thing and this journey of becoming can be both difficult and painful. Far too often, we have not been given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson, and I am also on this journey of becoming. I am dedicated to inviting you into my story and creating a space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. I want to take an honest look at the issues and questions so common to this shared journey. I want to genuinely seek out what it means to follow Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our unfolding and expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. I have come to know that doubt is not the enemy of faith, but rather that both doubt and curiosity are two of faith's biggest allies. I have learned that the Christian faith is more about wisdom and love than it is about correct doctrine or belief. And I believe that we are being invited to continually seek out both wisdom and love, renewing our minds, expanding our hearts, and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining me on that journey. All right, welcome back to a, another episode of the Rethinking Faith podcast. As always, I'm your host, Josh Patterson, and hanging out with me today is Sarah Heath. Sarah, what's up? Welcome to uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Hey, good to be here. Yeah, it was fun. Um, so I had the privilege of hopping on Revcovery, um, actually yes. probably around this time last year, after right after yep. beer camp um which is a good time and so i thought it would be appropriate if you came and hung out on rethinking faith and i love it yeah <laughs> so welcome and also you got yourself into you. a little game that i like to play called 20ish que- 20ish cues yes. <laughs> yes so slightly different than the standard episode format but um i personally have really been enjoying doing this kind of you know type of episode or whatever um and gotten a lot of really positive listener feedback people enjoy Perfect. it so I very high pressure so i've you. listened to a couple now <laughs> yeah you know i'll right try on. not to mess this up for you nah you're gonna do great but if you could just um Thanks. for listeners who might not be familiar with yourself uh or your work yeah. could you just introduce yourself and then we'll uh sure. get into these crazy questions these deep questions uh yeah my name is sarah heath um on the internet you can find me listed as uh well you can find me as rev sarah heath on a lot of stuff because uh part of my story is that i was a pastor for 17 years um 16 in a local congregation um i am a united methodist clergy member still but i have gone through massive shifts we'd say and i host a podcast called rev covery for people who have left ministry or think about leaving ministry or even like just were like super volunteers and like have shifted in their faith and they're trying to figure out like what is their relationship to faith? What is their relationship to even like the idea of church or denomination? Uh, I am now a a coach. So I coach people in transition or leadership stuff. Um, I also consult. I have a, a company called Making Spaces, which is um, just kind of making space for yourself and others. And I speak at events 
And I also have another podcast that's coming back. It was around for a while called Making Spaces and started that during the pandemic. Then I had a friend join me for a little while and now I'm bringing it back again. Um, And that again, is just a podcast about how do we make space for ourselves and others. So I think my story kind of is, uh, yeah, is one that's a little unique in that I grew up progressive, decided to become evangelical in college. Uh, Then I went to seminary at Duke. uh, So then I became progressive again in some ways. Uh, Although uh, Trip and I like to Trip Fuller and I like to fight about theological things because the truth is, as I'm don't tell him, but I'm probably a process theologian. But I was trained definitely not in process theology, um, so don't tell anyone. Uh, yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Is that good? Is that a good answer? Did I get the first one right? Nailed it, nailed it. And you also, I want to, I want to throw this in because I actually this is really fun to me and I enjoy uh, yeah watching it. But you also renovate yeah. an airstream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so part sweet. of like, make, yeah, part of making spaces for me was um, when I left the local church, um, I was in a place of grief um, for sure. Uh, there's a lot to do with it. My Airstream was um, purchased for me by a friend who was really challenging me to live my own life after our, um, after his uh, wife had passed away, who was a friend of mine and just sort of sitting in that grief. And then the challenge of like, okay, you've put everybody's lives first. Um, I'm a builder naturally. So I love to build things. I love to fix things. One of the fun little side projects I have is I teach STEM to 10 to 16 year olds um, through building. So I work in a workshop where yes, I am one of the only girls, but it is, it's just such a neat space, just full of like super interesting builders who do everything from like van conversion to like um, all kinds plastics moldings and you know people making like the craziest comic-con costumes i have no business being i'm like a runner girl i'm not like into this stuff but it's so fun to just be included in people's nerddom and um yeah so my airstream is a big part of my life for sure uh she i've been working on her for three years her name's gidget and if you want to follow along flipping gidget is the hashtag but also you can just follow me online because it's been like my tools got stolen it's been drama it has been drama but in a good way, learning how to yeah. like work with metal, you know, every Friday night, I spend my Friday nights with an incredible builder named Truman, who has taught me all that he knows. And he literally designed, he's part of the team that designed the Honda CRV. He's like a Mazda. He used to be a race car driver. Like I get to hang out with these like super cool dudes um, and learn the neatest things. And so, and also like I get to weld. So flash dance is always in my head. So yeah, that's kind of my, that's been my journey to becoming for sure. So yeah, that's a big part of what was, has been making spaces for me, at least in the last couple of years as Gidget. Yeah. I, I love it. It's such a cool thing. And I've always kind of loved the Thanks. whole like um, conversion, like people, you know, make like buses into shit and like whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't know. It's a cool, it's a cool process. It's something that I would, I mean, I don't know if, when, or how, but it would be something I'd be interested in trying to figure out someday. But uh, so it's, it's kind of yeah. this like interesting, it's like a metaphor for me. And I, I try not to, I don't try not to, but like, you know, as a pastor, I think you force metaphor a lot, but like, there is no way that I can't see Gidget as a metaphor for myself. Like with all the dents, everything that I had gone through to get to that point, all the things that I was holding on to, all the shit I thought I had to take with me. And so just the, like, as I've been de-denting her, I feel like I've been learning a little bit about myself. And truthfully, like during the pandemic, I would put beer in front of her. So I had her up in Bend, Oregon for a while and I put beer in front of her. And uh, my friends who are first responders and nurses would just like be like, is Sarah in the trailer? She is. And they'd like come in and, I would just get to have these conversations that I can't even, you can never 
describe how meaningful they were. Um, people just struggling with so much and me struggling with what I was struggling with. There were days when I worked alone and I just cry in the middle of the floor. Like it was just such a, she is this thing that has made relationship for me in conversation because people are like, why the hell would you choose this one? Cause it was completely damaged. A tree was through it. It had belonged to a murderer. Um, I mean, I don't even know if have you heard the dildo story because we might as well start there. I was working yeah, on her like one day time. and like, I mean, let's just start like this is not part of the 20 questions. What's the weirdest thing that's like flown at your face while you're working on a trailer? I'll tell you. Um, so I was inside my trailer and I like was popping up the carpet tacks and a dildo from underneath something flew at my head and landed on the floor beside me. My friend Amy and her husband Sean were with me. And I yell thinking like a spider or something has like, or I yell and my friend thinks like a spider or something. And I'm just like, ah, and he comes running in. Cause like when something flies at your face, like you're just not prepared no matter what it is. He comes running in and I'm like, Sean, a giant dildo flew out and it almost hit me in the face. And he was like, giant? I'd call it average. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the story of, I mean, just nice. she's layered, man. She is layered like just layered um just so much in there and so many stories that i can tell and so many stories that i one day will tell but yeah thanks for bringing her up i could talk about her forever yeah hell yeah i love the i don't know i i like the metaphor a bit and the importance that that you know space has has been for you and it it seems similar to the kind of space that full tilt the brewery that i used to work at before yeah. they shut down that was such a meaningful space for me um that's kind of where I uh, like re-entered into community, right? After like leaving yeah. church world and these kind of things. Um, and it's where like, uh, it was cool because I could go in and, you know, the, the locals were always there. Um, like people, I, what is the, fuck, Aaron taught me about this show and I still haven't watched it. Cheers. Like they have the theme song, like yeah. where everyone knows your name kind of thing. It was just like a really cool space. Lots of relation, you know, good relationships. And, um, you know, when people were happy, we laughed together. When they were sad, we cried together and uh, always over a few beers. So it was just like a really cool, healthy healing space for me, you know. So I, I love yeah, that. I think. It, um, yeah. I think it provides like a weird um, way to get into my body um, and get into like for me, it's almost monastic work. Like getting rivets out is like, you're going to be sitting there forever drilling. And and originally I thought like when I decided I wanted to do an Airstream product, product project, I was, the thought was like, oh, I'll just like have to flip a few walls. I'll do a little whatever. No, this was like all the way down to the rivets, taking the skins out, like everything that like doing plumbing and all this sort of stuff, stuff I could never do alone. It's so good that like people are willing to come alongside and at least teach me about stuff. But um, it really is this way of getting into my body in a way that um, I haven't been able to, you know, I flipped the last church I was at, like read it all the floors. Like, and for me, there's something about like, I've touched every square inch of this Airstream. Like there is not a part of it that I haven't. Um, and I don't know, there's something about that for me. Like this is this is my space and place. And um, yeah, it's just very tangible. And I think, you know, for so long I was in my head uh, as a, someone who studied theology and who taught and like at, at a church and all that sort of stuff. So I just think so much of my life is here. And so to get it into my body was so, um, is so good for me. And I'm just, you know, I, I, I inherited, I guess I'm just naturally like a little bit 
um, handy. And I love thinking through that stuff. It's a different part of my brain. It's my creative side that I don't get to use as much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's super cool. So I'm glad that you you have that. And I enjoy watching your interaction with it. So, yeah. Well, all right. Um, yeah. So here, all right. First, uh, first of the official 20 ish questions. Um, I'm ready. Yeah. Ready for this. If you mm-hmm. still consider yourself a Jesus follower, uh, why, why? <laughs> you know, I would have answered this differently had you asked this like a year ago. So I've been out of the local church for two years. Um, I definitely felt like I had left some of the Jesus piece behind, um, realizing I was really hurt. Um, I had church hurt just as much as the people I had been serving um, and in different ways, right? Like, cause I was creating the space I was, you know, you would think. And so some of that got projected onto my image of Jesus. Um, I used to be the type of person that would like argue the hell out of Jesus needs to be divine. I'm not that person anymore. Um, it's interesting. Your guest last week, uh, talking about the idea of like, this is what I grew up in. And so I think for me, it's always going to be the story that I came out of. And story for me is so important. I wrote my first book about how we can see our lives within stories and story theory uh, using Joseph Campbell and Joseph from the Old Testament. And so I just, this is the story that I know to compare my story to. And so when I hear people that are compelling speak about Jesus, like um, when I hear Trip give a sermon, then I absolutely am a Jesus follower. When I hear Kevin talk about Jesus, then I absolutely, and even sometimes when I'm crafting my own talks, I think now there's something still there. Um, and I think I read a book by Brian McLaren about like, should I stay Christian? And um, I I absolutely still fall in that category. But I, if someone asks me out in the wild, are you a Christian? I always pause a little bit um, because I don't have the like relationship. I think some people have or, to their faith. Um, I don't know that that will come back. Um, it has a lot of baggage for me. And so just, yeah, I still follow the way of Jesus. And I, I used to think that was such a cop-out until I'm experiencing it myself, right? Like those people, they're just lukewarm. He'll spit you out, but go ahead and spit me out, bro. Cause it's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I like to, uh, I like to fuck with Dan Coke. And uh, I said what I'm about to tell, uh, say to you one time to him and he did not like it. I was like, yeah, Dan, you know, like, Whenever I hang out with you and listen to your podcast, I'm not sure about the whole Christianity thing. But whenever I listen to Trip, I'm like full send. Dan was like, don't say yeah. that. <laughs> I was just messing with him, obviously. But uh, yeah, the, it's it's interesting. One of the, and I haven't thought about this until actually this conversation with you. But um, one of the reasons I think I still use that language is because I remember so oftentimes my friends will call me. And uh, ask me like some pretty deep like theological questions, and um, for whatever reason they tend to call me on like a night when I've had a few beverages, um, mm-hmm. and I will start talking to them, and then you know inebriated Josh will turn into preaching Josh, and I'll start crying. Yeah, and so I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. that means something is still there to use like the language that you just did. Um, so, you know, like, it's. I, yeah <laughs> yeah the cry the you know i just talked on uh um tim whitaker like on uh the new evangelicals and shared about an experience i had with communion and right before i 
took communion and excuse my potty language, but I turned around. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm still a Christian. Um, and I, I, I wasn't saying that flippantly. I laughed out loud when you said that, by the way. <laughs> I listened to that this morning. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I just so badly want to leave it in some ways, right? Like, can't I just be done with this? But I can't. Um, as hurtful as it has been in the world, it feels, and I I tried, I've tried. I worked in the secular sphere for a while. I've worked at corporate, um, but something keeps compelling me back. And um, it's not what I originally thought was compelling me back. And it's interesting. Like, yeah, I think I, I'm, I, I came out of Christianity. I have wrestled in it. And for whatever reason, Jesus and I still have something to something we're working out. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, all right. So this question I, I wrote um, specifically for you. I haven't asked this one on, on 20-ish questions yet. It's don't get your hopes up. <laughs> but I think it's it's unique <laughs> to your, your story and your experience. Sure. But uh, I wanted to ask you, what is something that you wish more people knew or understood about pastors? Oh, yeah. Um. I think I wish more people understood how much they transfer their feelings onto pastors, good and bad, right? Uh, and so, like, for me, um, I worked a lot with people who have been traumatized by the church. And so um, I, I think people didn't realize how much they were transferring that that pain onto me. And both, like, Sarah is the answer to that, and then Sarah is the example of that. And so I think if pe- more people would realize, like, pastors are people. So I think some of our, uh, I'm going to use male and it's not necessarily only male, but some of our evangelical brothers like need to be reminded they're people. Um, and in the same way, I want more people to allow us to be people. I had to be the voice of reason for everything, um, in, in some people's expectations. So I think just recognizing that pastors are people is really important. Yeah. That would yeah. be my answer for that one. That's what I wish everybody knew. Um, and I understand that everybody's like, everybody knows that. And I'm like, no, like you should hear that some of the sessions I hear because I am no longer clergy. People are like, oh, this person thinks they're so. And I'm like, they're just trying their best, guys. Like they're literally just trying their best, you know? Yeah. No, I 100%. I relate a lot. And uh, yeah, that's also part of there. why I wanted to ask you because I've been there. Not yet. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. Um all right. What, uh, what prominent doctrine within the church mm. needs to die? Ooh, prominent doctrine would probably. I mean, I think this idea of we're all bad. We started bad. Um. So I think original <laughs> sin. That's a pretty big one. But I think this idea that we're born terrible, um, is problematic because it starts with shame. And I think when we start with shame, um, I recently heard um, Alok, I believe is their name, uh, a speaker talk about how like what we're dealing with is a pandemic or epidemic of undealt with grief and the inability to deal with um, sort of like disappointment or any of these things, right? Like, And so I think when we're all told we're shit and then we've got to like, if someone else just like can stand in for us, then we're less shit but we like, we keep shitting it up. Like if that's it, if it's just constant failure, um, it's a really difficult way to like enter into wonder or curiosity or any of these things. Cause it's like, you're so busy trying not to be so crappy. And, um, 
I just have never seen a flourishing life that begins with, I think I'm shit, but don't worry, I can work my way out of it. Um, so that's the one that for me is so huge. I, I, when I was a pastor, we, um, we kind of had this visioning thing and what I, what we eventually came up with, like, you're already loved by God. We're not here to tell you that you're loved by God. We're here to remind you. And I think that's the thing is like, anytime I felt like I'm in that zone of feeling like I am returning to a better version of me, it's, it's a returning to, it's not a, like, I didn't overcome the shitty Sarah to, you know, it's like a returning to being who I actually and a, a deep core am. Um, yeah. That's yeah, the, no. that's the doctrine I get rid of just that one, <laughs> just that little yeah. one. <laughs> that's a, that's a good one. It, it reminds me too of like, uh, I remember hearing Rob Bell say one time that like people would always criticize him and be like, Oh, you always are talking about good and positive stuff, blah, 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 blah. And Rob's response was like, yeah, but like, that's because people need good news. Like people don't need to go right. to church to be told that their piece is a shit. Like, <laughs> and, uh, no, like we're pretty yeah. sure that's true already like yeah. <laughs> it's not like that's not news to us right people are already struggling with with these kind of internal issues you don't got to keep it on like and and even to like from a scientific perspective people do not change transformation does not happen nope. by condemning and telling people that they suck but it comes from unconditional nope. love and acceptance and so yeah fuck that doctrine um I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and in closing, fuck that doctrine. Yeah, I yeah. think there it it can be held up for so much because if I believe that I'm intrinsically evil, then I believe everyone else is intrinsically evil and it's really easy for me to other you. Like Absolutely. if I'm doing a better job at being human than you are, so much easier for me to hate you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, big time. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes. All right. Goodbye, uh, original sin. Um, so See you later. <laughs> the next question is, is similar, um, but still kind of okay. different because it's a little bit more personal. So what aspect of your own faith was the most difficult mm. for you to rethink? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good question. Um, interestingly, it falls on the same category. So I have always struggled with, um, with feeling worthy or loved. Um, part of that is like being an Enneagram three, right? So I'm like, somebody, wait, if I tap dance now, am I cute? Um, if I do this and then I like forget that I won an award because it's like, well, that wasn't enough. Um, and so I think the part of my faith that was difficult for me to rethink was actually feeling like I could be the beloved. I actually, have, my very first tattoo I ever got was beloved because I am that white girl. Um, but I got it because it came out of a, a meeting with a uh, with a um, spiritual director, and there and she just was like, "Beloved is beloved, Sarah. Like you have to learn how to be loved." And I was like, "It's so, that's like a, a super hard thing. This idea that like I could just be loved, and and it's like the message that I give all the time. Like you don't have to do anything. You're already loved by God. You don't have to do anything." And yet I can't like take that in for myself. And so I think that's the thing I've been playing around with. Like, what does it look like to not matter? And, and in a good way, like, what does it, like, what if I'm not performing? What does that look like? Wait, I can just be, and people still want to be around me. Um, not because I'm the funniest in the room or like I've done the most things or I know the most people. Um, yeah, that's been an unraveling for the last two years where I just sort of cease to, in some ways, like I'm not what I 
was for a little while. Like I'm, I think I'm definitely getting back into like social media and things like that. But some of the performative stuff I needed to let go so that I could, the theology or the or the belief that like God still cares about me, people still care about me, whatever that means. Because sometimes like the divine and I, I don't know, we don't know. Uh, but I think there is just this like sense where I'm reworking all of that as well. I'm in it, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. I I can relate to that. Um, I can relate to that a lot. The I often have this kind of like I don't know. Um, I get fears, maybe the right word, but also maybe not. Where it's like, okay, are these all right? So we'll do beer camp because we're just both there together. I'll I'll use that as yeah. an example. I will like have this kind of thought where it's like, okay, well, like this is trip. Like, does he actually like me? Like, is he actually mm. my friend or like, is, you know, whoever, this kind of thing. And so the, the not having a hard time feeling the kind of like acceptance and, and worthiness kind of bit um, is big for me. Cause I was similar. I preached that to students 24 seven and just right, never could I needed really, to hear it, right? Yeah. I can never buy that message for myself. And then it, like, I transfer that onto the people around me where it's like, okay, are these, like, are these actually my friends or like, this kind of thing so yeah I'm, or what I, can i, I provide you. for them <laughs> right what yes. can i provide for them in this minute you know that's yeah. the part that like makes me laugh a little bit yeah no i'm i'm with you uh cool well all yeah. right Th- this format is so hard for me because i want to comment on everything and the point is to not do that <laughs> and so like fuck you trip for giving me this idea um <laughs> just kidding i love you trip um all right so if you could ditch a book of the bible anyone you're just gone no longer in the canon which one would you get rid of so i I mean i think mine's probably a popular answer for a lot of women but timothy is a real dick uh also revelation though like i agree with folks who have said it in the past like because we can't understand it like we're literally it's like one time I had a, a friend, actually a mentor of mine who happened to be at Theology Beer Camp this year, which was so cool. Karen explained it to me this way, like Revelation, people reading Revelation is like thousands of years from now, people looking at a comic and seeing like a um, an elephant and a donkey, like uh, going to the poles and the elephant wins or the donkey wins. And everyone's like, oh, they had elephants that like ruled them. And like for a while, the donkeys ruled this part and the elephants ruled this part. Like this is exactly what revelation is. It's such a big like soup of things. It's, it is not what everyone, it's not supposed to be taken literally, literally. And it, it, it has been taken literally. And then people have harmed other people because of it. People have harmed the environment because of it. People think that they don't have to. I mean, I just heard it quoted from like, you know, they, they use it to look at Genesis. They use Revelation to look at Genesis and then they read Genesis in a totally different way because of Revelation. So maybe I hate Timothy because of, you know, having ovaries, but I hate uh, Revelation because we don't read it right. So I don't hate it. I hate the way we read it. Mm. Yeah, nice. Oh, I, both answers are are good and acceptable. So they are now. Thank you. Sh- both gone. Again. Yeah. Out. Original uh, sin, done. Revelation, <laughs> done. We're doing it. Timothy done out because Paul didn't even write that out. Shit, get yeah. out of here. Um, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So. I always say that Paul and I are like people who dated and we broke up in college. Like I was really into him in college. Uh, Paul and I dated. We broke up. We only talk about our mutual friend, Jesus. That's the only time I ever, this is the only time I ever fuck with Paul. <laughs> like I just can't even <laughs> live otherwise. 
at camp, were you in the room when uh, Derek Webb sang his song "Sympathy for Paul"? Yeah, that was yeah. really good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Him that... and I had this whole conversation later yeah. about it, and I was, that's exactly what I told him. I was like, I always tell people I dated him in in college, but we like broke up, and now we only talk about our mutual friend Jesus. That's the only time. Solid. Yeah, <laughs> very reasonable. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. So since you've ditched a book from the Bible, now you get to canonize Ooh. a written text. What are you uh what are you adding? Okay, so I was thinking about this. Um I have so many books I would like bell hooks. I love bell hooks. There's that. Uh but I read this book last year. Uh it was given in a, as advice to me to read it. It's called The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. Um and it is written by a lion tracker from South Africa who tracks lions for conservation. And it has this, it is really, so he's also like a life coach. He's incredible. Um, And he, he does this whole narrative and he helps you understand the journey of your life through tracking a lion. And he has this line in it and it blows my mind. And I think it all the time when I, cause I'm trying to be like 17 steps ahead. And right now I'm learning to let go. And it's, I don't know where I'm going, but I know how to get there. And um, that has been that book. Every time I need to like return to like, it has been a really important book for me and it's really super short. And so the lion tracker's guide to life, I canonize it. Nice. Now I'm going to add that to my Amazon cart because you did really good sales pitch on it. Yeah, it sounds good. (laughs) And then weirdly (laughs) adjacent to that, which feels really weird is, you know, because as like a woman, I should be like naming all these women. That's why I say bell hooks is amazing. And I want to say all these other like, I want to say the clever one, but that's the one that's like really hit me. And also green light by Matthew McConaughey weirdly was meaningful for me. I wouldn't canonize it, but it's worth a read. <laughs> meaningful. It's like maybe in the apocrypha. So like maybe some people. Yeah, are down like we'd find it. it. But... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. The Catholics right. might read it. <laughs> right. Yeah, or or you can go like Ethiopian Orthodox and have like eighty eight books in the Bible, and so then you can have like all sorts of cool fun stuff. Like, I want our dragons back. Yeah. That's all I'm saying is bring <laughs> back the dragons. You know? Yes, that's all I'm saying. Yes. I have. Uh, all right. I'm censoring myself. I was going to tell a joke. I'll tell you later. Um, about dragons <laughs> and yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> what is an embarrassing theological position? Uh, that you used to hold on to, or maybe you taught it even um, in the past. Oh gosh, there's so many, right? Like, I think if you, if you don't have like embarrassing sermons you've given, um, I think the one that still hits me the most is like when I, for a little while held on to the belief that um, being gay was like being an alcoholic. And like, because I grew up in such a, really inclusive home and um my parents definitely did not believe this way but i was like oh you're born gay yes absolutely because i knew that because my parents had taught me that and i they had gay friends and we had you know and i was like so you you you're born that way but if like you're going to choose the way of jesus then you got to let that go just like people are born alcoholic but like choose and i think back to that and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> what was that i i will admit it was a very small season of my life but it's also privilege right like i'm a cisgender heterosexual white woman like i don't it has no meat in it until it had meat in it for me until I really started like looking at the people who I love and who have like fought for me and who I will fight for. And so I, particularly now as someone who's really well known as an ally, that's the one that I'm like, Oh God, thank God I didn't start preaching with that one. I I'd already changed from that before because dear Lord. Yeah, that, uh, well, I literally handed my, 
so I don't know if you know, but I my one brother Jordan is gay, and my other brother Justin mm-hmm. is uh, pansexual. And there, when I was at um, Messiah College, they had a speaker come in who gave the whole like, yeah, born gay, but like don't act on it kind of thing, and like went to gay conversion therapy, all these kind of things. Oh. And like I bought his book and gave it to my brother as if like that was a brilliant fucking idea. And luckily, uh. um, luckily my brother didn't hold that against me <laughs> and i don't think we i don't know if he i i don't know if he even remembers that happening because he probably was just like uh because he's such a generous and, and gracious person he was probably just like oh well let josh have his trip for a little bit and uh we'll see what happens in the future <laughs> kind of thing so Aww. i i know the feeling <laughs> you know and it's just I think the graciousness with which people have treated me, um, I just feel so lucky. Like, so fun, like little story, a side story. So pansexual, you're, you had said your brother's pansexual. I didn't know what that was. Um, I have been super involved in ally work and um, I was hanging out with my friends in West Hollywood and they were talking just about one of their friends and happened to mention they were pansexual. And I don't know if they just knew like the light in my eye had gone out or something, but they were like, Sarah is not totally tracking with this, but she's not acting like she's not tracking with this. So my friend Blake looks at me and goes, Sarah, do you know what a pansexual is? And I was like, yeah, totally. And he's like, do you? What's a pansexual? Do you want to hear my response? You want to have a good giggle? You can tell your brother this. Well, a pansexual is a gay man who likes Someone like who's younger looking, like Peter Pan. <laughs> that was my answer. And my friends are assholes because they were just like, oh, Sarah, you should also tell, you know, Emerson over here what you think a pansexual is. And I was like, yeah, um, it is someone who likes younger men who are adventuresome, like Peter Pan. No. <laughs> and everyone was like, nope, that is not it. <laughs> And here I was like years of into my ally work. I just had not heard that term used for that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and that is how I've learned just to say, no, I do not know what that is. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I no love idea. it. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, uh, I can't tell you the amount of times I've had conversations with um, older folks who are like, uh, like, are supportive and you know want to be mm-hmm. allies in this kind of stuff but also they're just like old and stuck in their ways kind of thing where i've tried to explain like well no my brother's pansexual that means da 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 and they'd be like yeah but he has a boyfriend so he's gay i'm like no blah 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 and like try to re-explain it so <laughs> it's it's a thing but um yeah. yeah and i and also too i wanted to tell you just uh because uh i had so I had a few beers at Theology Beer Camp and after um, Ivy, your friend, Ivy King, um, yeah, you know, did their thing. She was um, amazing. Yeah. Crushed it. <clears throat> I like that was a really touching moment for me because um, she did this bit where she kind of talked about how having all these like queer folks on stage performing um, at a church was like atonement, like in a very real sense. Mm-hmm. And like that kind of uh, like broke me a little bit because my brother, Jordan, he was the one that always wanted to be a pastor growing up. And then when we got kicked out of the church, he was like, fuck that. And then like I became a pastor. 
and like I'm, you know, I've I've been on stages and preached in front of people and all these kind of things. And so like that moment was just kind of a really cool shift for me to kind of see um my brother in a way on stage, oh, if that I makes sense. That. And so I told Ivy yeah. that afterwards and was like crying out in the, you know, <laughs> in the little greeting area. <laughs> I apologize. The thing is that I was awesome. The thing that I love about her is like she's like just like that's like her that's her Tuesday like she's so used to being able to hold space for people in that way like you know I shared with her some pretty difficult stuff and we've known each other for years and she hugged me this time this trip and I said I'm sorry I'm a bit of a mess and she said no you're real now and I like real Sarah because like she first met me when I was a pastor she met me when I was like like she met me when I was literally leading a group and then she came and I was you know, very much doing the thing, doing the thing. And so, you know, it, she's not at all shocked by your honesty, honestly. Right on. Well, I I purchased one of uh, her That's Atonement Bitch t-shirts, so I'm excited for that to come in. Um, Yay! Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, So with your knowing your past experience and your story, uh, do you currently attend uh, church at all? And like, why or why no. not? Me neither. <laughs> My fucking work in one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, I, so it's a bit of a pain point for me, for sure. Um, I have a community that I uh, restarted here and I live like six minutes from it. Um, I could go. It, it's too painful for me. Um, for me, I just, I want to, I would do this differently. I'd be more welcoming in this way. I'd, all this stuff that that pastor doesn't need, doesn't need heaped upon them. Right. Um, you know, and I had the the luxury of having left right after the pandemic, like right as the pandemic was like coming to an end. So I am still in the pastor that grew it, right? And so um, there can be some feelings around that for me as well, where like, well, you're not doing it right. You've killed it or whatever, however you want to talk about it. And I just don't want to be that. So the critique in there, I also don't feel connected to church right now. You know, um, that's why that communion service was really meaningful for me. I could listen to trip. I have a really tough time listening to sermons. Um, I think because God feels pretty distant. Um, yeah, no, I don't go to church, which is, I, I'm, there's a, there's a little part of me that's starting to like, don't want to go to church. I'm thinking about going to church. I love my friend's church in North Carolina, actually, um, church on Morgan, which if you know, Brian Recker, he actually goes there. It's so weird. We did not meet through that. Uh, but it's, interesting because my friend is his pastor. Um, and that community, when I go there, I feel like I'm going to church. Yeah. It feels good. Yeah. Nice. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't go either. I've attended an Episcopal service a few times since I stopped doing church stuff and that's been very helpful. Right. Um, and then actually yesterday was the closest thing I've done to going to church. Well, aside from beer camp, um, in a while where uh, the church that I work at is on this TV show called Kill Your Lawn or something like that. It's like kind of like an HGT, HGTV show where they like flip houses, but instead they like come in and like destroy your lawn and then like redo it. It's like a naturalist environmental. Oh, I love thing. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. And um, they shot the like yesterday was like reveal day. And so they shot like this closing thing. Um, where Derek, the priest, like did this kind of like had a liturgy and of like re, I don't know, they like blessed the ground or some shit. 
it was really cool <laughs> but and i like i he had me read a wendell berry poem during it and it had this uh, like really awesome line about like you know there's no sacred there's no sacred and profane there's only the sacred and the desecrated um and it was just yes. like it was a really i felt stupid because it was like this thing for tv but it was like this really moving thing for me to be invited into and to like read that poem and um so yeah that's the closest thing i've got but i i'm with yeah i share some same sentiments around going to church um all right. So uh, not as um, not as deep and personal question. Uh, do you believe in extraterrestrial life? <laughs> and do you think that has theological implications? Oh, my God. I love this question. Um, so my mom is one of my favorite people on the face of the earth. She's incredibly logical. She is uh, brilliant. Uh, she's from England originally, but lived most of her life in Canada and now lives in the South. My mom loves this show called Ancient Aliens. <laughs> And we all pick on her because like this one guy who's on it, his answer for everything is aliens. Right. Um, I think there are, I think there's life forms elsewhere. I think our, we are such a little tiny, tiny, tiny little speck. And my undergrad is in biology and psychology. And so we're such a tiny, tiny little speck of the world that I think uh, it would be presumptuous to assume we're the only ones. Um, so I think the theological implications are, I think it'd be really good for us to feel not so special. You know, like solid, both yeah. in like, like this good way of being like, oh, it's not as serious, like, but also, yeah, yep, I, I believe in aliens. I don't know if I'm like Blink One Eighty Two. I believe in aliens, like, <laughs> <Right>? but, <laughs> but I believe no, yeah, yep. No, I love it. I think that the like, I don't know, making uh theology and our faith less anthropocentric. I'm a hundred percent here for. So I, I love yeah. that, like, kind of decent. Yeah. So I'm I'm on board. Um, this, yeah. All right. So the last time I asked this question, they thought I was joking. Um, but I'm okay. actually curious. Uh, but how far is too far? <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, a purity, uh, and what's <laughs> a purity culture question, Sarah? <laughs> uh-huh. I'm looking for a constructive, I... I'm looking for a constructive sexual ethic. What do you got for me? <laughs> Uh, my constructive sexual ethic is this. Um, are, are you consenting? Is anyone being harmed? Uh, then it, as far as you'd like to go. Um, that's that's my answer. Nailed it. That is not the answer youth pastor Sarah would have given. But right. yeah, I think it's like if we had an actual ethic of consent, can you imagine? Like I grew up in Canada where they taught us songs like Our Bodies, Nobody Body, Nobody's Body But Mine. I Run My Own Body. Let, I'll let you run. Your, wait. You run your own body. Let me run mine. Like I grew up with that as a kid, um, which has implications across the board. And I think empowerment and like self body, like just actually believing like I have autonomy over this body. Um, I just think it could change everything. Right. Like, so for me, I think it starts with this like really solid theology and ethic of consent. What does that look like? And consent for ourselves, even like, how do I give myself permission? Yeah. You have permission, as Dan would say. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I think, you know, looking back uh, on my own relationship. So I started dating my wife when we were in uh, freshman year in high school. Right. So like 15 years old, something like that. And the one of the things I wish that I could redo in all of that is the purity culture stuff. 
because mm. I'm the one that brought that to the relationship, um, not my wife. And like it's caught like, yeah, it's been fucked up as purity culture is. And like I at like I was just a kid. I was just doing what I thought was like appropriate and the right thing. But like I introduced her to ideas and things that are fucked up and like. Yeah, so that I wish I could not do that. <laughs> okay, go back. And- you know, one of my f- yeah, one of my favorite stories is being so I dated my high school boyfriend for almost four years, three and a half years. We dated, um, and we were like super good kids, like good quote unquote good kids. We we're I just moved to Mississippi. I was trying to figure out what it meant to be American. I think all my Canadian friends were having sex, like that was normal within our culture. But I was like, no, I'm going to be like such a good Canadian and. That also plays into some of my trauma of the past. I was probably like playing into a role that kept me safe from experiences. And so I, um, my high school boyfriend, I think this was like two years into our relationship. We're like making out in his truck, like normal teenage kids. And my brother came home from whatever he was doing and poor thing like saw us making out. And my high school boyfriend was mortified, mortified. He was like, what is Jonathan going to think? My brother's older than me. And he went and like talked to my brother and my brother was my brother's reaction just gives you an idea of like how purity culture and like how different in some ways my brother and I were because he just literally goes, I don't wait. Why are we having this? I don't own her. Like, I don't because he's like, dude, I'm so sorry. Like, I shouldn't have. That was so disrespectful. He's like, I would I would prefer that we never talk about this again. Like, I would that's my preference is like, I don't own her. That's her body. Like. Why are we talking about this? He's like, if you guys weren't making out, I'd be weirded out. You're like, you're dating. Like, I just, do I want to see it? No. Do I want to think about it? Absolutely not. I don't know why we're still having this conversation. He like apologized to him and thought he would needed to go apologize to my dad for disrespecting them for touching me. Now, what, what messaging does that give me? My body belongs to my, the men in my home. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think I don't think my high school boyfriend meant that that way. He really that's how he was taught to be respectful. But it wasn't what are we apologizing for? We are at that time, probably 18. We're 18. We're figuring our bodies out like you're real cute. I'm real cute. We'll never be this cute again. Like Let's just do that. There's a lot of movies made about like the football player and the soccer player. Let's do this. You know, but we just really had this sense like I, I realized some of the messaging that I was getting. Um was like my body belongs to other people, um, which is strange. Like if you could apologize to me if something wasn't going well, but I seemed like I was into it. So I don't know why I'm getting in trouble. Um, but yeah, I think if we could let go of a lot of that stuff, oh, imagine a non-sexually repressed community. Oh, could be lovely. Could be. Well, there's a there's a good eschatology for you. You know, something to look for in the future, hopefully, and work there towards <laughs> non-sexually repressed uh, community. All right. Three. I want to try to give you some quick ones. Um, what are your, your, your three favorite podcasts that aren't your own? Well, that's a hard one for me, (laughs) uh, because so many of our friends make podcasts. Um, right. So basically friends that are listening, it's a middle finger to you. If Sarah doesn't pick yours, that's what's happening. No, I would say (laughs) I'm going to say ones that aren't, I'm going to say ones that aren't related to our our world, because I would say, yeah, I listen to a lot of our friends sporadically. Um, I don't, I truthfully listen to true crime podcasts more than I listen to anything. So I love this one called red handed. Uh, they're British girls who talk about murder. And I just, I don't know why that's really 
life-giving for some reason. Um, I like 10% Happier, which is actually about Buddhism, but uh, I find that super interesting. Uh, the guests that he has on are really fascinating to me. Um, trying to think, like, because I could name almost every one of our friends' podcasts as ones that I like to listen to. Um, the problem for me, and I don't know if you have this problem, is once you start listening to your friends' podcasts, you just want to call and talk to them. It's like, oh, I want to, I want to be part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I've got a thought, and you're like, wait a minute, I'm listening to you. So yeah. I like that one. I like, um, and then I have, um, I have a podcast that is, um, very niche that I like a lot. Um, it's called uh, tr- uh, what is it? Is it True Crime Brewery? Um, it's a, it's a lovely older married couple, and they're he's a doctor, she's a nurse. And they talk about these stories, but they're like probably the same age as my parents. And they, the way they talk is a little bit like my parents and because my dad's a doctor, my mom's a nurse, just like, I don't know. So sometimes I listen to that. So yeah, I don't know. I like a lot of podcasts and they're not any, any way related. You know, I'll also listen to Esther Perel. Where do we begin? That's a great one for relational stuff. Um, I, I gave you too many, but yeah, those are, and I love, I love a serial podcast. So I love a podcast that like there's been some really, really good ones just about like different uh, crimes. Like there's ones lately that have been a, a lot about like, you know, missing an indigenous women in Canada. There's one about North Bay, which is an area that I'm, I was from close to. So I really, really like that one. So yeah. What can I say? I like to listen to murder, which they have a whole thing about why women like that. It's because it gives us a sense of uh, like power over that, which we have no power over. Interesting. So yeah. I watched mm-hmm. the South Park episode about murder stuff the other night, uh, last night actually, but it's, yeah, your explanation is way better. Um, I'm not going to repeat what South Park's premise was because it's not appropriate. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> in, in a similar vein to podcasts, is there a, uh, a good book that you've read recently that you really enjoyed? Oh gosh. I mean, I guess I did just give you the line trackers guide. Um, Man, I will admit to just having a bunch of books open all over the place. Um, same, 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 same. <laughs> and also I am an adult that lives with ADHD. And so it means that I, that's like kind of my way. Like I kind of do listen to a bunch of things, but um, I will say I am pulling it up. So <laughs> I want to make sure I call things by their right names. Um, I have been listening to a bunch of books lately. There's one called Fast Like a Girl that's about like, fasting as an adult, uh, which is interesting. It's like why women's bodies react well to fasting. It's pretty interesting. There's one called come as you are, which is about female sexuality. Uh, that is super good. Um, ladies, if you need that. And like I said, I liked green light a lot, um, as, as a book to read. I mean, I wish I could say like really super smart people books right now, but I kind of took a break from that. Like I have a bunch of like theology books down by my bed. So people probably be like, man, she's just really smart. Uh, but I have not been reading that stuff. It's like I needed to take a little break and do some like listening like to books about health. <laughs> so like fasting and female sexuality and um, yeah. 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 And then books sick. on Airstream repair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very pragmatic. Yeah. I yeah. I'm with you. I think I could benefit from um, putting down some of the theology and philosophy and reading some other stuff. Um, but who cares what my therapist says? Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you just pay them. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. Right. 
I mean, there's so many uh, good. Actually, Holy Runaway is a book too. I don't know if you know Matthias Roberts, but Holy yeah, Runaway just had is really good. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, I really I loved that book. It was. Um, I really enjoyed I just reading it. Started diving into it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's cool. It's a good read. Um. All right, this one's a, a little bit more personal. Um. But I'm curious, and also <laughs> like interested in how you would even define this word because I don't know how I define it. But uh, do you still pray? And uh, why or mm. why not? Yeah, that's funny. I was just thinking about this. Um, I have a practice of when I get on a plane, I say Jesus above, Jesus below, Jesus to my right, Jesus to my left. And um, it's like a mantra kind of thing. Um, I had a really hard time with prayer because for a while it felt like everything I was praying for, the opposite would happen. And so it almost became like, if I didn't talk about it, then it doesn't hurt so bad when it doesn't come true. And so uh, I had, I studied meditation and mindfulness for a little bit after getting diagnosed with ADHD and realizing like, Hey, that'll help slow my brain down. Um, And I wish that I was in those practices more, but I'm all about authenticity. So I'll tell you, like, I know it's really good for me. Uh, I think I do pray whether I realize I'm doing it or not. I think there's the constant conversation in my head um, is a bit of prayer. It's a bit of like acknowledging my wishes, my hopes, my desires, and, um, letting go of those feels like a prayer, right? Like, um, yeah. So I guess I still do pray. And you know what, when people, it's interesting, so much has shifted for me in the last couple of months, but when people ask me to pray for them before I'd be like, yeah, I'll keep you in my thoughts. Uh, but lately I've been like, yeah, I'll pray for you. Absolutely. So yeah, whatever that means, it just means I'm holding you in my thoughts and, I don't, you know, this process, the allergy stuff is all new for me. Thinking we can affect God. What? Yeah. It's the bee's knees, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to do a pitch now, but uh, it's, I think, all right, I'll put it this way. Process thinking is a big reason why I still hang around Christian circles Mm. and why I still entertain the idea of the divine. If I, it will. If I was going for like a like a logical mental kind of explanation, because mm-hmm. I have experiential explanations, but um Great. Yeah. So a bit a bit of like a more fun question. So if you could get like totally trashed with any mm-hmm. member of church history, um, who Ooh. would it be? Yeah. And then also you get to after you're trash with them, you say you've had your fun conversation, you then get to like tag team with them and fight another member of church history, whether that's physical or verbal, up to you. Um but yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> who you getting, okay, yeah. Who do you so, getting trashed with and who do you want to argue with? <laughs> so I want to sit on his patio drinking whiskey with Wendell Berry. Um, I want us to, cause I I've seen him speak live a couple of times. I joke that he's like my, my crush. Um, but his, his poems, oh, stop it. Like, and his way of looking at the world and even his understanding of how much we've moved around just does something to my soul as someone who's moved around a lot. So I, I mean, I know he's not church history technically, but he's meant a lot to me. I mean, there are days when I would have been like Joan of Arc and then we're going to fuck the patriarchy up. But I don't know why, like right now I'm in my, like, I want to sip whiskey and hang out with Wendell Berry on a patio somewhere and feel like maybe this world isn't going to shit. Um, yeah, I think him, I'm in my Wendell Berry era. 
I'm returning because I was I was really into him in seminary. So. Yeah, I love it. I don't know and, who he'd fight, though. I don't feel like he's a fighter. Yeah, he's definitely not a little bit more peaceful. Like him and I. Yeah, him and Stanley Hauerwas had a conversation, like a little fireside conversation I heard. It was really great because they are friends, but they they think differently about some things. And I love listening to those two Southern accents and older dudes being like, well, that's one way to look at it. You know, <laughs> that's about as aggressive as they got. <laughs> nice. I I appreciate it. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, man, so bad at not commenting on these these answers because I feel like you're I'm doing not great. I know <laughs> it pushes me. Um, all right. So if you could go back in time, what would you tell 15 year old Sarah? Oh, gosh. 15 year old Sarah really needed to hear that she could chase her dreams and that they didn't have to be other people's dreams. Um, and it was worth the work. Um, I think I was, my dreams have always been ones that were pretty wild like I wanted to be an actress when I was younger and I probably could have been and probably should have been in some ways uh but I also think maybe telling her like it's okay like it's not gonna look like you thought it was um and it's still okay uh and yeah I'll also tell her like not every guy has a six-pack because I think my boyfriend at 15 had a six-pack and so he's like ruined me for all men you know I'm just kidding (laughs) But kind of, Sarah, like, it's, you know, it's going to be okay one day. You'll <laughs> you'll see. Um, yeah, I think I just, like, I, w- I would want her to be more okay with seeing her worth, you know? But I think I'm still battling that thing now. So, yeah. Probably just hug 15-year-old Sarah if I could. And I'd probably be like, look, go wild in college a little bit. Stop, stop being the girl that drives all her sorority sisters home. Like, just go make out with a frat boy for once solid yeah I, yeah <laughs> thank you you want to hear my funniest oh. biggest regret so i went All to right, college with this it. guy you ready i went to college with this and because i was like good little church girl um and i went to college with this guy and i worked out with him all the time he's a beautiful guy and i found out that he like i, I thought maybe he had a little crush on me and i felt weird about it because he was making money for school by being a male dancer and i was like I seriously wanted to save him. This was my ethic. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's a Catholic stripper who is doing this so that he can get into med school. Um, And I just need you to understand that I was worried about the salvation of a Catholic male stripper doctor instead of being like, (laughs) yes, I will go out with you immediately. Thank you for inviting me to the table. I was just like, I'm so what it oh yeah. You're welcome. So Sarah, quality content. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a garbage human for once in your life, little yeah. Sarah. <laughs> right on. Uh so much respect there. Um all right. What uh what if any value uh do you find uh-huh. in the Bible? Ooh, lots of value. Um I don't read it right now, but um, there's so much story in there. You know who's really helped me with that is Dr. Will Gaffney, like to see the womanist perspective um, and see it differently and like see the characters that I didn't pay attention to in the past um, or I wasn't allowed to pay attention. They were not highlighted. Um, 
I, I find value in that. I'm I'm trying to unlearn it. I'm trying to unlearn, you know, I studied it for years and I spoke about it for years. And so coming at it with a whole new way of looking at it. Um, but right now it's on my shelf for a little while. And um, yeah, I still find value in it. And I think every time I listen to Pete Enns as the Bible for normal people, I definitely go like, ah, uh, there's still something about that stupid book too. Damn it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hope that's a good no, answer. I, I, yeah. I, for me, it's like the facebook stat like relationship status it's complicated when it comes to the bible yeah totally uh and yeah like similarly um most of the time i don't want to talk about it or think about it but then when people like pete or i have a buddy named jace uh who does some really cool stuff it's like man why do i care about this but i do and it like kind of draws me in so there's but i've noticed i care more about it uh in community with other people than I do just by myself. Yeah. If yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. sense. Same. And that's, that's, oh, no, it like absolutely makes sense. Like preachy or something like that. But like, I think people who say that maybe actually have something helpful to be saying. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we have uh, four more here. Um, We're doing it, guys. Yeah. Crushing it. Thank you for, for bearing with Sarah. Um, All right. Tell me about a time you felt most connected with the divine. Oh, yeah. Um, Wow. Most is a hard word for me, right? Uh, because I'm like, well, it's gotta be the most connecting. Um, right. so or connected in uh, general. <laughs> yeah. So my one of my best guy friends um had a heart transplant at 30. And I was when he was in the hospital, I was there all the time. And I was teaching a class on um in Israel, actually, on uh like you can go and do like a study abroad kind of thing where you teach. So I was a pastor who was teaching, co-teaching with another pastor. And my parents were actually with me and we were in Israel. And it was um, the uh, the day before Ash Wednesday. And we went to uh, the place where Jesus's body was supposedly prepared. And um, and and I'm, I'm coming with my cynical shit and just being like, oh, how do they know it was that? It wasn't that rock. And And then my friend said, but Sarah, it was at that rock that people for thousands of years have prayed for, like for a thousand years at least have prayed for people. So it's like a holy spot just because it's a holy spot, if that makes sense. And so I did. I went and prayed there. Uh, and then at three o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call that he was getting a heart. And uh, we'd been waiting 10 months. And it, it's the weirdest thing to have a phone conversation with someone. It was three in the morning. And you don't know if you're ever going to talk to them again, Right very risky surgery. Um, but I'd prayed at this thing and I just kept picturing that rock and picturing that thing. And then, uh, the next day we were, um, in a cathedral and in a, in a temple actually. And, uh, people knew I was waiting to hear, uh, how Jerry's surgery had gone and my dad and another man. So my dad is a pure bass singing and this other guy is an alto, like not alto, sorry, a tenor. And they started singing my favorite hymn, which is Be Thou My Vision. And we got to the line that says, heart of my own heart, whatever befall. And I felt so held by God in that space, hearing my father sing that song, knowing that my friend was in the midst of surgery, realizing that this has been a sacred space for so many people, that I felt this overwhelming connection. And so um, when he was still, when we were on the phone, I had told him, hey, 
Uh, he's gone with me for all my tattoos. He loves going with me for my tattoos. He loves laughing at me when I like get all red in the face. And so I don't have like a, I have a significant number of them, but they're all like hidden and not a lot of people know that I have a lot of tattoos. But um, he, I said, look, if, you better survive this because I need you to go with me for my next tattoo. That was kind of our joke. And he was like, okay. Well, when he was able to leave the hospital, I got, I got whatever befall tattooed over my heart, like by where my heart is on my side. Um, and for me, that's just a, like whatever befall God, like I, I surrendered Jerry in that moment. I, I just felt this like incredible sense of being held in it. So that was a divine moment for me. Call it being emotional, whatever you want. I felt very connected in that moment. No, I love it. Thank you. It's a beautiful story. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And I think, um, I don't know from, I've, I've written off similar stories to just like, oh, well, that's just my emotion or that's just this. But like, you know, I remember talking to uh, Sarah Lane Ritchie um, and her being like, Josh, it's never just, you know, emotion or just this. Like, that's too simplistic. And so that was that's right. been helpful for me. And so I don't know. I love that story. Thank you for sharing it. Oh, you're um, welcome. Yeah. I have all right. So I've I have two more questions for you, and then the the kind of final right. wrap up one. Um, which one do I want to ask first? All right, I'll ask this one because I'm going to re I'm going to rephrase this one for you. All right, Jesus okay. appears in front of you bodily, like poof, uh-huh. like shows up. There he is. What up? What are you asking him? Mm. If he could like handle his people. Like, could tell you them to the get people? their shit together. Could you just like <laughs> show up at a mega church and explain to them why this is bullshit? That a Christian nationalism is killing us. I mean, there's just another goddamn mass shooting last night, and Christians are coming out being like, "Well, it wasn't the guns; it was the guy; it was the mental health." No, it's fucking that. Because you know what? When someone's a little loony in another country, like the country I grew up in, the most thing he's going to be able to do is grab a kitchen fork and y'all be able to hurt one person, but he can't hurt a whole 20 some odd people traumatizing the rest. Like, huh. um, and if, and, and you're the people who fight against caregiving for people with mental health. Like, uh. so I, I would like to say to Jesus, like, Hey dude, can you, can you handle your people? Can you just like, cause they think, you know, they know you. So can you just, can you? Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Like a real, like, uh, like a, Hey, whose man's is this kind of thing? <laughs> like, yeah, come yeah. get your boy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> come get your boy. Yeah, but like get your boy and your girls. Cause they're fucking it up in the, yeah. all over the place. <laughs> they are like, just, they really are. They're a mess. Uh, yeah. All right. That's solid respect. Um, all right. <laughs> Last question before I ask you the, like, who do you want to, have asked these questions thing um so i have been asking people where do you see christianity in 25 years but i want to ask a more hopeful question and i want to say sarah sure what do you hope christianity looks like in 25 years i hope it looks like our closing service where queer folks are serving and being served and uh where there's a sense of hopefulness. Um, I I would like to see like a people caring about the environment because of their faith. I would like to see all of that. 
And if that's not there, then I want, I want to see a total burning it down. <laughs> like if it, if we really can't figure out how to do this, right. Like, um, then I think we, we don't deserve it. Like, I, I feel like I would love to see Christianity transform, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's my answer. 10 out of 10. I'm, uh, I'm with you in, uh, in your vision. And I, I don't know, I've been trying to, instead of be like super cynical, cause like I've done that. And also I get it. Like there's definitely room for it, but like oh, trying to just be yeah. more hopeful in general and be like, all right, what, what do I want to see happen? And then like, which is right. uh, like a scarier question. Cause that means like, okay, so now I'm like, I have a part to play in this. Like what, what can I do to make that happen? But anyway, yeah, I I hope you're right because <laughs> that's the kind of Christianity. You know, I would love I would love the church. <laughs> I would love the church where people like actually learn how to be in relationship with people in healthy ways and with themselves, with their bodies. I'd love the church to be a place where people actually find freedom. Uh, yeah. Where, yeah, I'd lo- I'd love all that. Right, that that's what I'd really like to see. So, yeah. Well, may it be so. Hmm. May um, it be so. <laughs> all right sarah uh you crushed it you made it here to the end um yeah we did it and yeah and now you get to nominate um who like what podcaster um would you like to you know yeah here come answer these questions next okay so have you had kevin on yet i haven't but um I have, I'm working with Kevin to try to uh, get them on to talk about their new book. Okay, uh, cool. But so, I do think Kevin would have a lot of fun with, uh, or maybe I, I should say I would have a lot of fun asking Kevin questions. <laughs> Perfect. And if not, then Brian Record just started a new podcast and he would be a hoot too. Okay. Yeah. Um, Either one of those right. humans would be an absolute joy. Solid. Yeah. I think two two solid options i appreciate them uh yeah and if if you guys uh are somehow listening to this then well now you're stuck because sarah said so so right i, I said so sarah says <laughs> Positive fear maybe pressure. get both of them i don't know yeah. yeah hell yeah that'd be solid well sarah this was so much fun um i appreciate I had you taking a blast. time Thanks to for me. come and Thanks for sticking around, listeners, and just hearing, like, my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I love it. I think this this format is so brilliant because it's it's very wide-ranging, and it's also um, has the element of, like, fun and silliness, but also the opportunity to, like, kind of go deep and be honest. And I think a space where mm-hmm. you can do both of those things is really interesting and fun because um, it reminds me of joy. Those are the... So. Yeah, those are the sweet zones, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, For sure. good deal. Well, thanks again, Sarah and listeners. Uh, as always, thanks You're for... Welcome. Oh, shit. I dropped my pen. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, be sure to check out Rev Covery and also go follow Sarah on the socials because lots of fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And uh, if you need coaching, I'm around. I, that's what I do. That's my day job. Do it. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. And as always, uh, go in peace.